Hello, I'm Pete Can, laughter leader, positive thinker, and entrepreneur. And you're listening to Laughter and Positivity with Pete, where each week I'll bring you tips and tricks to lead a happier, more positive life. Ready? Let's go. Hey guys, so thank you for tuning in to Laughter and Positivity with Pete. And this week I am joined by Jeffrey Breyer, who is who is just laughing at me at the moment. And I'm trying to do this introduction, Jeffrey. <laughs> so Jeffrey Breyer is a laughter yoga leader, teacher, master trainer. He founded the Laguna Laughter Club, which he has had sessions of laughter yoga every day for over 15 years. Jeffrey is dedicated to there being more joy and connection throughout the earth, world peace through laughter. It's a goal. It's not a fantasy. I love it. I love it. Jeffrey, how are you? Hi, everyone. I'm great. I just came back from the beach here in Laguna Beach and had a laughter session uh, basically by myself. It was a broadcast rather than a, a club, but one friend came with me and uh, she sometimes joined me and sometimes she enjoyed the beach walking on the beach it was gorgeous amazing, amazing. so so 15 years that's a it long has. stint thank you yes well i studied with dr kataria in 2005 in switzerland and as soon as i came back to laguna beach i knew this was a good thing and i wanted to have a regular laughter practice and a laughter club so i started a laughter club at, at first we started in june uh we met three days a week but by december of that year 2005 we were meeting seven days a week. Now, I don't lead every session. I typically would lead three sessions per week, and the other four days are led by other people, mostly people I've trained as a laughter yoga teacher and master trainer. Um, but our policy at the Laguna Laughter Club, it, it, when we're meeting in person, which we haven't for about a year, but our policy is if anyone comes to visit and they're been trained by anyone, they're a laughter leader, whether with Dr. Katari's school, Steve Wilson's school, Osho school, whatever, we invite them to lead a laughter exercise. And so we get to enjoy new people, new, new uh, exercises, new styles. If someone wants to lead the whole session, if they're visiting, like if you came to visit Pete and you wanted to lead the whole session, we would, we would talk about it because, uh, you know, one, one person might be more attached to, oh no, I want to lead on Thursday because my mother's coming and I want to, she's coming down from, you know, another state and say, and say okay pete are you okay with friday and pete if you said okay friday's good you know he'll, he'll be here for a couple of days so uh, now at the present time and for almost a year now we haven't been meeting on the beach as a group because with the covid pandemic the the authorities discourage open gatherings of large numbers of people where everyone's welcome so uh instead i've i've broadcast a session on my facebook page facebook live but I've done that every day for, uh, it'll be a year in, in next month. About a month from now, it'll be a year. So uh, for 11 months, I've laughed every day, but it's been a, a broadcast, a gift rather than with other people. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, so you mentioned that you, you studied with Dr. Kataria, um, but in 2005, you said, wasn't it? That's like, so so how, how, what, what brought laughter onto your radar then? Well, um, I always loved to laugh and I always love to see people smile and look happy. And the proof of that is whenever you have pictures of me as a kid and when I realized the camera was on me, I would make a funny face 
I do some kind of thing because because I realized later when people looked at the pictures they go oh Jeffrey <laughs> always making the funny faces so as a child I realized I like making people laugh and I also became a musician and when I was a teenager um, I went to a local festival an outdoor festival called the Renaissance Pleasure Fair where you're out in the woods and they attempt to recreate England at the time of Shakespeare with a country fair with all handmade crafts and the kind of foods that could only have been made back then. So there's no plastic, there's no concrete, it's just uh, that. And I, I started going to that as a musician. I also played the clarinet and the recorder, which the finger of the recorder is very similar to the clarinet. So uh, I played the instrument and in one day, me and two other guys, we dressed up as mimes just so we could try and sleep over illegally. And we had so much fun as mimes where, you know, we couldn't talk, we could only do mannerisms, you know, and, and whatever. Uh, we had so much fun that we decided after that we would consciously be comedy performers. So at the age of 17, I became a stage performer trying to get people to laugh at what I did with my colleagues. Right? And around the same age, I also became a student of traditional yoga, stretchy yoga. So. Starting at age 17, I had these two careers. One was yoga, stretching, breathing, feeling more healthy, but no, not much interaction, no much friendship. And then I was also the comedy performer, getting people to laugh. They're rolling on the rolling in the aisles, falling off their hay bales, laughing. And then afterwards, they come and thank you, and they say, "Oh, that was so great. Can I be your friend?" So there, I had the social experience. So as a stage performer, I had social, but as a yoga teacher, I had health without much social. And then uh, in 2003, one of my yoga students told me about a park in India where 200 people gather at 6 o'clock in the morning and they laugh for an hour. So my yoga teacher side heard, wow, India, home of yoga, 200 people, that's a big class. 6 in the morning, that's dedication. And then my stage performer side heard, laughing for an hour, how do you get people to laugh? No way, you know, because when you're a performer, if you do a good joke or a good comedy routine or a juggling trick, people laugh for maybe 10, 15 seconds, maybe that, but an hour. <laughs> so I was intrigued. Uh, so I tried to do some research at the time. They didn't have a website. Um, I, but, and I, after a while, plus the search engines were very, there was no Google in 2003. It was like, you take your chance with many different search engines. But uh, in 2005, I actually found uh, laughter yoga. And um, first I studied with Sebastian Gendry up in Los Angeles. And then a couple months later, I went to Switzerland to study with Dr. and Mrs. Kataria. And once I'd studied with them, it was like, oh, I get it. Now I know what I want to do. And this is what I'm going to pursue for a while. So long answer Amazing. to a short question. <laughs> no, but it's nice. It's nice to hear the background and how they're performing yeah. as well. Because, you know, there's, there's certainly some laughter yogis out there that, that, that the performance bit is part of their, their, their act so to speak, or, you know, the, the, the thing. And, and yeah, and um, whereas you've got the other side that are a bit more spiritual and they, they don't have the, the, the mime or the, the you, know, you can say, well, you know what fence I'm on anyway, which side of the yeah. fence. You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you a little story. So when I did yeah. my train, my teacher training in, in Switzerland, there were only three Americans. Most of the people were from Europe. And there was also a, a goodly number of people from uh, Israel and from some Arab countries. But there was a woman there from Liechtenstein. And I said, oh my gosh, can I be your friend? I've never had a friend from Liechtenstein. And she said, sure. So this one was very big, very big. And she was very reserved. 
right so my style of leading laughter partially because i have my background as a stage performer and trying to you know be big animated plus i personally enjoy the one thing with laughter is you can be very expressive i like that for me my style but this woman she that was not her style she was more conservative and she was also heavy so she didn't want to run around so much so here's an example so i would say okay everyone we're going to do lion laughter you put your hands like this you stick out your tongue lift up your eyebrows and you go ah ready pounce and, <laughs> and then she said okay now it's her turn she says everybody we are now going to do the laughter of the lion you put the hands like so extends the tongue and lifts the eyebrows Ein, zwei, drei, laugh. <laughs> so she was so completely different from my style and it was like it was fine right because uh, when we when we teach people to do this kind of voluntary laughing we tell them however you laugh is fine you don't you know we the leader we give an example but you don't have to copy us that's just a place to get started and one thing you can do is when you see a woman like her you can I would go, oh, well, I want to be bigger than that, right? Yeah. Whereas when, when someone else sees someone like me, they can go, I don't think I want to be as crazy as, as him. And it's, it's all good. Go for it. You know, if you want to do, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, isn't it? Exactly. As long as, as, long as you're laughing, it's, it, it doesn't matter how we get there. So, so how would you say laughter has enhanced your life then? Well, in a number of ways. Uh, the first one that always comes to my mind is the social aspect, because uh, through the Laughter Club, I now have my best and closest friends, uh, people I've never met before. Some of them I have very little in common other than we love to laugh. We love to you know, go to the beach. We love to do something that we know is good for our health. And yet it's not, you know, it's, it would be different if I was going to the gym and trying to build my muscles and competing because I go to gym sometimes. And you know that the level of friendship hey nice pets you got dude what's your secret to that six pack you know that's okay one thing but people don't ask you what's the secret to your laughter you know they just kind of say wow i wish i could laugh like you and you say well go ahead go ahead yeah. i'm coaching first breathe in deeply open your mouth really big go right <laughs> so where was I? oh yeah so number number one benefit is social uh it's kind of crippled now because of the pandemic but it used to be that uh, before the pandemic, I would have so many offers of social events to go to a movie, go to a play, come over to someone's house, just have dinner, watch a movie, or watch a TV show, whatever. Uh, I and that was a real shift from my previous previous life, especially when I was a student and then just a yoga teacher, because pretty much in yoga people tend to keep to themselves, or if they this is traditional yoga, mm -hmm. but or if they do socialize, it's always kind of mellow. You know, these are my friends. I seek mellowness with for the most part with the laughter people it's kind of like yeah sometimes we laugh and we're crazy and sometimes it's whatever and we just hang out so uh that number one benefit has been the social uh events number two benefit which you know i forget how important this used to be but because now it's so different so my personal health right because i i counted typically before laughter yoga i would be sick uh, about 21 days a year. So that would be a, a two-day flu, a three-day cold, a bad one, seven days. And by sick, I mean feeling so ill that I didn't want to go out. I just wanted to stay home, drink tea, lie in bed, and wait for it to pass. Okay, so I averaged 21 days a year 
for most of my adult life. But since doing the laughter every day, remember I laugh every day, 15 minutes, every no exception. Not maybe three days a year I miss because I'm traveling to, to uh, you know, Europe and I'm changing planes and I forgot to laugh. And when I land, they go, oh, guess what? It's tomorrow. I go, oh, I guess I didn't laugh yesterday because I was on the plane. So, but basically I laugh every day. So from that, my immune system has gotten stronger now so that if I start to feel like I've got a cold coming on, I'd be sure to laugh. I don't say, oh no, I might get a cold. I'll take it easy. No, I go, no, I need the boost to my immune system. I will laugh. And then generally all colds disappear. That that's the same day I laugh is the day I look back and I go, hey, this morning I thought I was going to have a cold. <laughs> well, that's gone. <laughs> that's history. So uh, now I probably average maybe two or three days every three years that I That's have. really interesting because it, now you've said that, it's made me think about, you know, when, when I was last ill and uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. And you, you get that little feeling that something's coming on, can't you? You do, you do get that, like you say, but if you, if you laugh and yeah, I mean, it's just the proof is in the pudding. It's ultimately if you, if you, it does strengthen your immune system, which is, it which does. Is it's like, it's, you know, whether you can measure, and you can measure, you can take blood and see the lymphocytes and the immunoglobulin A, you know, if you care about that stuff. Americans tend to care about that. You can measure it. But most is like my fellow laughter club members, because there's maybe four or five people who laugh at least four days a week. We'll compare notes and we'll say, when was the last time you had a cold? And they go, uh, I think it was 2017. Maybe it was 2016. <laughs> I don't know. Like we stopped keeping, and it used to be like every winter, two or three, you know, it was predictable, but now it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So that's number, number two. I could go on, but those are first social and second health. Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. It's just, it's, you're right. I mean, as well, because I've, I've, again, through lockdown, it's where I, the laughter's really started moving for me. So my, my way that I like, the connection is through screen but i feel that i've got a deeper connection with a lot of people through laughter and it's you know because I, I did have a club before lockdown and there was a few people that used to come i'd only done it a couple of months so it, i'd only just started but you you feel that actually when you're having these connections with people that actually this this is deeper than just like hey how you doing it's it's you know when when you get that uncontrollable laughter with each other it's it's an amazing experience isn't it because, you know, one of the messages of laughter, actually, there's a really nice book. Uh, I don't have it handy. Okay, so there's a, a fellow who is an ecologist, looks at all the things that make up an environment, wrote a really good, cool book. It's called Why We Laugh, Why We Laugh. And his theory about why we laugh, based on also what animals do, as well as humans, is laughing, at least on one level, is an expression of vulnerability, right? When the when the when the two wolves pu puppies are are fighting, but they're play fighting, they growl, they laugh, they make noises, and they actually expose their neck. You know, go ahead, grab me by the neck. Which, if it was a real predator, they wouldn't do that because they make themselves vulnerable. So one of the messages of laughing with another person is, okay, I'm vulnerable. I'm I'm I trust you. And the other person is doing this, me too, I'm vulnerable and I trust you. And then you share the laughter and you survive and you don't tear out their neck, <laughs> figuratively speaking. And so there's a, that develops a trust. 
you know, when yeah, you're, yeah. you're vulnerable with another person and they don't take advantage of that, but rather they say, me too, I'm vulnerable too, that creates a relationship which is precious and we need more of that. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting as well, actually, because I think back to when I was at school, I never like, I'm not just going, you know, when we've all hit teenage years and maybe a bit of testosterone is kicking around, you get the bullies in the playground, but I was the joker. So I never got into any trouble. I used to just make people laugh. And actually that's a good defense mechanism as well. I like to make people laugh. Um, I think that's, yeah, just like you said, you've touched on the vulnerability side of things is actually being able to make someone laugh and step out of the situation is, is probably, it's another bonus. Not that I'm saying I used to get in a lot of fights, Jeffrey. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> so. Learning to laugh is a wonderful technique to avoid getting into a lot of fights. You know, Patch Adams, Yes, everyone. If you don't know who Patch Adams is, okay, go look him up. Patch Adams. So Patch Adams, when he was, uh, you know, he had a near-death experience uh, when he was like, just, I think, a teenager, and then he decided what he was going to do was uh, bring happiness to the world. So he would put on clown costumes and go into dangerous places and subways. And if things started to get weird, if the vibe started to get heavy, you know, if it seemed like there might be some violence. He would step in and be absurd. He would be the clown and he would diffuse the tension. And he said he figured he he stopped tens of thousands of fights by putting himself up to be the jokester. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Funny enough, I watched the movie. Yeah, that like literally last weekend I watched the movie. I know obviously, but that bit yeah. wasn't in the story. Wasn't in the movie, was it? Because the movie was more about the sort of the hospital that they created and stuff. So, so you you've obviously. Uh, over the years and many years you you've you've run lots of laughter clubs you've trained lots of laughter people uh, uh, uh there must be some memories where people have come up to you and said like jeffrey this has changed my life because of this this and i'd love like a couple of examples because you know it, i think it's important okay let me tell you about sharon i'm going to show you a picture because sharon gave me permission to do this so Sharon, uh, in the days when we had Laughter Club that met on the beach, I'm going to show you a picture soon from one of my books. This is not a plug for my book, although if you want to buy my book, go ahead. So uh, the color, this is the color version of the book, the great big anthology of laughter exercises. There's a black and white version, very inexpensive, that's called um, Laughter Exercises, the great big anthology. Okay, so here. Okay, so in this picture, Sharon is wearing the purple, the purple shirt. Mm -hmm. she's the one to the to the to, on one end okay so one side is Sharon okay perfect all right so Sharon yeah. gave me permission to tell this story so Sharon came to our laughter club on the beach and she came fairly often for a couple of weeks and then she came occasionally and then maybe what just once every month or so and our we don't care when people we don't when when people come we don't ask them do you have a disease are you fighting you know we just say come welcome you know, we might say if you've got something you think is contagious, stay back or stay home. Back then, contagious meant like a, a cough, mm -hmm. sniffles, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, we just say, you know, just come and laugh because we were so convinced that the laughing would strengthen our immune systems. You know, we didn't, we just, we did it anyway. Okay, so Sharon came and then she came less and less often. And then we didn't ask her why or anything, just like, good, whenever you come, we're glad to see you old friend is back okay and then eventually she uh told her story because we were being interviewed for a television show so we don't interview the people that come to the laughter club but this television show 
said, can we interview some of your people? And I, I said, sure, they're not my people, first of all, they're just people. But as long as you ask them and they want to, that's fine with me, yeah. And I said, okay, great. So they interview, you know, because usually when they do these TV shows, they'll do two hours worth of filming and they'll show two minutes. But mm -hmm. they take a lot of stuff. So they're interviewing different people and they ask Sharon, so what's your story? What are you doing here? And she says, oh, well, I um, have um, terminal cancer and my doctors told me I have five years to live. This was about two years ago. They told me I was I'm going to die within five years. And I became really depressed. I was just miserable. I just, I would stay in bed three, four, five, seven days a week. I'd be in bed all day. I just couldn't get up in the morning. If I would try and do something, run the vacuum cleaner or whatever, I was just too depressed. And I have grandchildren. You know, I, the thought that I'm not going to see my grandchildren grow up made me even more depressed. Then uh, I came to the laughter club one day and I found that by laughing I could relieve the depression. So I came many, many times for a couple of weeks. And now, this is Sharon speaking, she says, now I don't even need to go because I live a 45 minutes drive away and it's, it's an inconvenience to drive all that way to come to the laughter session. Now, when I start to feel depressed, I just remember there are those silly people that I know and love and they're laughing on the beach. And just thinking about them makes me feel better. I get up, I run the vacuum cleaner, you know, life is okay. And, uh, and so that's when I learned about Sharon. And now here's the bonus to the story. About two and a half years later, Sharon did die. And her husband, her husband didn't come and laugh with us on the beach. Maybe three times over the, you know, five years that Sharon was in our life. He, he would basically drive her to the beach, drop her off. He'd go do something else, have a coffee, read a newspaper, what he did, what he wanted to do. And she would laugh with us and then he'd meet her afterwards. But now her life was, was ended, had ended, and uh, he came to tell us. And he said he wanted to thank us for his sake because Sharon was getting depressed and she was just going downhill and it was like he lost his wife who had been optimistic, happy, you know, active person. But because of this depression with her terminal diagnosis, it was like he lost her. But when she started laughing again, she came back. So he wanted to thank us for giving us his wife back. So he had five good years with her. We did not cure her cancer. Sorry, I wish I could say we did. But we did cure her depression. And not only did we cure her depression by her laughing with us, but eventually she didn't even need to laugh with us. All she had to do was think about us. And that changed her chemistry to where now she was no longer a depressed person. She's kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> look at all the time she saved. She didn't have to go to the beach. She just had to remember there were goofy people being silly, having fun, laughing on the beach. And just the memory brought her out of her funk and, and gave her life. So she had not five nice years of life and her husband had uh, five years with his wife. So that's the, that's my story. You're yeah, <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, just the fact that, like you say, he, he, he got his wife back for those five years, which is, which is, you know, cause it could, yeah, no, uh, I love hearing these stories. I love hearing I, them. That story I think is significant because sometimes we say we, when we teach this laughter without exercise, you know, or laughter as exercise, laughter without comedy, we make the claim, some of us do that not only is it good for ourselves, that's obvious, you know, our <laughs> immune system stronger, breathing obvious. It's blatantly obvious because it's a mild form of aerobic exercise. Exercise is good for you. But we make the claim that it's good for the people around you. And that's a little harder sometimes for people to get. 
But mm. in Sharon's story, we have a very concrete example of someone in her sphere, her sphere, who was not a laugher. His life was transformed because of the laughter of this other person. So keep doing it, gang. Share the okay. laughter. You don't know. You don't know where the waves of benefit are going beyond the person that's yeah. in front of you. you it's like a ripple. It's like a rip, ripple effect, isn't it? I mean, it, it, the same thing. So, so I've been laughing. There's a new app called Clubhouse that I've been doing stuff on, and um, it's an audio thing. But uh -huh. I, I did a laughter. Um, just I go in and do little laughter sessions here and there, and and. Um, Anyway, this lady came up to me, or virtually came up to me, because obviously they're not coming. <laughs> and said, "I said, Pete, you know, it was really good this morning because actually your laughter rippled throughout my house. Because then my, you know, my husband was wondering why, why was I laughing? Why was I so happy? What was so so happy to talk about?" <laughs> she explained about the laughter, and then they then started doing the giggle phone, and then that then rippled, and then the kids were laughing, and it's just like, and you know that that little little. <laughs> it goes out doesn't it and it's and and it's not just that jeffrey it's the fact that if you make someone laugh well not make you know you encourage them to laugh they actually then go out like they go to the shops they're they're like ultimately they're just more their shoulders are back their heads high they're, they're not like that whole slouching just feeling down on themselves so when we fill when we fill people with cheerfulness they become more cheerful people yep duh or duh you know duh the americanism like uh, it's it's obvious if people have more joy and happiness then when they go out into the world they they have something to give right? definitely definitely that's what i love about the um the red the traffic light exercise where it's like the red light and just sitting there and just like uh and, and just doing that one because it's just like and and you sit in there and there's someone car next to you you're like ah, and they're like what are you doing <laughs> You can't control anything, can you? You can't control <laughs> like the light. You can't control what's going on in the world right now, but you can control your mind. Right. That's the really important thing. So, um, okay. So, so what would you say? I mean, you've been doing it for years. So, so you've got loads. Of st I'd love another story. Come on, Jeffrey, give me another. Story. All right. I'll, then I'll tell you about one. So there's one of our regular leaders, uh, certified laughter yoga leader, um, who leads fairly often. He's married, right? And his wife uh, doesn't like to lead laughter exercises. She'll come, she'll laugh. She's very much more reserved. So he's a little more, he's not out there like I am, but he's a little more expressive. But his wife is like, that's not for me. Now she, she would come to the laughter sessions almost as often as he did, but her laugh would be very subdued. Ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Other people are going crazy, rolling, somersaults, he's going, Ha 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 Great. Okay, but um, her husband, my friend, his habit was to always invite people to lead laughter exercises. As I mentioned, our policy is if you've been trained, you're invited to lead an exercise. You can always say, no thanks. But uh, anyone who's visiting, we say, are you trained? Yes, okay, you, you're trained, you lead one. And if they go, no, no, okay, fine. So it's like we make it a point that it's not like my day. It's not my laughter club. It's our laughter club, and I'm the leader of the day. And part of what I do as a leader is I invite others to lead. Okay, so that's our point. Okay, so Dave, like a good leader in our club, invite, asks people, are, are you trained to lead? You're invited to lead one. But he would also get into the habit of asking his wife, uh, Prunella, that's not her name, Prunella, why don't you lead one? And she'd always go, no, 
I don't want, I don't come here to lead. I come here to laugh, you know, no, no. So eventually we said, okay, we're gonna make up a new laughter exercise. And it's called Prunella's laughter exercise. And it's called thanks, but no thanks. It looks something like this. No, 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 no. Okay, so we're laughing as we say no, no thank you, right? And so first she giggles and then she felt honored. And about a year later, she started leading laughter exercises too. And she, she wouldn't do that one. She would do another one. She would do the phone or she would do the, you know, one meter or the milkshake, whatever. But her own self-consciousness just dissolved. It took a little, it took a couple of years. But part of that was just letting her know it's perfectly fine. You don't have to lead. You don't have to be a leader. Right? And then eventually she just embraced it like, okay, I'm a leader now. And now it's like, you know, we'll ask her, you want, you want to? And if she wants to, if she does with confidence, and if she doesn't want to, she says, nah, not today. Okay, next leader, and then it's no problem. Okay, so that's a little miracle story, but it's an example of how the, the experience of laughter, the space it gives people, the laughter club, this unconditional laughter. See, it wouldn't be the same if it was, come and tell jokes, and we'll laugh more for the person who's the better joke teller. It's a different experience, you know. But with this, with this, it's like it doesn't. You can do it all wrong. It doesn't matter. We'll just laugh anyway. It's like, oh, I did it wrong. We'll laugh. <laughs> okay, with a milkshake, it looks something like this. Let me just did it anyway. And some people did. Eh, 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 eh. Oh, and other people, and and she went, you know, oh, okay. It's like, no, no problem. Thanks for giving us something to laugh even more about. Yeah. Exactly. That's part of the charm, isn't it? If you mess it up a little bit, because it's a, it doesn't matter. It, you're just there to you're, you're you're there to laugh, aren't you, ultimately? And it's just like not taking yourself too seriously. Where I think you know, just generally as human race, we take ourselves too too seriously. Um, personally, I don't, and I'm sure you don't either, Jeffrey. So it's um... <laughs> well, I try not to, but I know I have my moments where I do take things too seriously. I know, and but fortunately, I I laugh every single day. I do laugh every single day. If I will, I'll tell you a personal story, which is important. This year, my mother died, and I lived with my mother. I lived in the same house with my mother, and for a while, I was her roommate. I've always been close friends with her. We have a lot in common. She was trained as a laughter yoga leader by me. She was trained as a laughter yoga teacher by Dr. Kataria. She was a mass, uh, what do you call it, laughter ambassador anointed by Dr. and Mrs. Kataria. So she she would lead laughter club one day a week so we were we were friends we were colleagues and she was my mother and i loved her and she was a an inspiring person right i just i was a member of her fan club for as long as i could remember and when i became an adult it was like wow this is a good person to be in the fan club for and you know occasionally she would have a friend who would say oh my gosh your mother is such a extraordinary person what a gift she is to the world and i go good i'm glad i'm not the only one with that opinion right and starting in february she began to experience the end of her life right she had pain she had cancer she'd had cancer for 20 or 17 years kidney cancer but uh, starting in february we realized it spread it got to her bones and now she was in pain and by may she was in constant pain every single day and so now this person i loved and i cared about was constantly moaning in pain so now i'm her caregiver because she can't take care of herself she can't drive anymore she can hardly think straight and now i'm also the advocate for the doctors you know hey come on doctors get her out of pain in the movies you know when they're in pain they just give them the shot and then they don't feel all the bullets in them and the doctor said yeah, that's in the movies 
the, the story I kept getting from the doctors was, well, I can give her a painkiller that I know will put get her out of her pain, but it might kill her. So what we have to do is try and find what works that she's not in pain, but it doesn't kill her. And I went, oh, darn, <laughs> I thought it would be easier. So I'm being with her through this process, and I'm optimistic that she'll get better until uh, in August when it was like, oh, it's clear that she's not going to get better. She's on, she's on her way out. And we got to the hospice thing where they're saying, okay, we're going to be more heroic with the drugs, even though the drugs might kill her, but we're going to more quickly try and get there. So they did. So through all of this, through all of this, I'm, you know, now I'm 24-7 a caregiver and having to decide, do I get other helpers? Do I hire people? How much hospice will they do? They'll give so many hours a day, but not uh, changing diapers, uh, cleaning up, all that stuff. Through this all, I made sure to laugh every day. Every morning, I would laugh. And sometimes it would be like, hi. I mean, if you go through my Facebook, if, this, if Facebook doesn't erase them, if you go back to, you know, May, June, July, August, you'll see this young man, well, not too young, this despairing man who's is in the, uh, two rooms away. His mother is ill, complaining, moaning, technically dying. I mean, eventually it was, I was giving sessions while she was dying and right next to me, you know, he wasn't like gasping. He was like, okay, she's on her way out. And I know that if I hadn't done that laughter practice every day, well, I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't been continuing to laugh and give the gift of laughing to, to other people, I would have been a very unhappy person. And I probably myself would have been very depressed and I would have been beating myself up and I probably would have gotten sick because more than once in caring for my mom, I've I remember going, oh my gosh, this is too much. I can't do all this. It was just, you know, stress. The definition of stress, one definition of stress is you're given more, you're given more to handle than you feel like you can handle, right? Because if you just say, oh, I can handle that. I can handle that. Then it's not stress. But when you go, wait, wait, I can handle five things and you just give me 75 things. I can't, now, now we go into stress. Okay, so if it weren't for the release that laughter gave me and also the knowing that I was making a contribution to other people, I think I would have been a very unhappy, ill, depressed person. But by continuing to laugh every day, I think laughter has saved my life. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey, I was watching from afar. I was watching some of those videos and I'm just getting a little bit emotional now just from <laughs> this story because, yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, and it, it's, yeah, so it's just really, like I say, it's really important just to have that. You have that as that, that it's escapism as well from, 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 I suppose, the reality that was around your four walls at the time was, you know, that, and, and just knowing that you were giving as well to, to yeah, it's amazing, mate, amazing. So I'm, I'm going to move quickly from this. To the, okay, this. let's get happy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. so what, what, what would you, what would you say to somebody that was maybe unsure? Because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are, they're not all laughter yogi, they're not all converts. They're, some of them are just going, I just don't get it. Like, what, what would you say to somebody that? I would say, say that? the only the, what you have to do with this work is you have to merely experience it. Uh, put aside your judgment for, you know, as long as you're willing. Ideally, fifteen minutes and to say, okay, I'm gonna do a session. Yes, it may be, and then you put in all your adjectives, silly, absurd, embarrassing, uh, whatever. Uh, re remind yourself that you'll take care of yourself so you won't do anything that you think might physically cause you damage, regardless of whatever the 
teacher says, and even if other people rolling on the floor laughing and kicking their legs in the air, but for you that doesn't work because your body's not ready for that. And take respect yourself, respect your phys physiology that you won't get hurt, but just try it. And uh, the one thing I would suggest is check in with yourself before you try it and evaluate honestly how you feel, your emotions, your energy level, your vitality level. Then do the laughter session as absurd as it might be. If you, if you can't give yourself 15, do 10, 10 minutes. And then afterwards, but I mean really, really do it. Like I'm going to try this silly thing. Just like if you're going to say, I'm going to try swimming, you don't just stand by the pool and you look. You actually go in and you tell, you know, different strokes, whatever. You move around, you get in the water, and you experience it, right? Then when you then when you get out, in this case, when you get out of the laughter experience, then once again, run that scan of yourself. How do you feel energy-wise, emotionally, vitality, anything? And I think you will find that there's been a substantial improvement, meaning you feel better you're happier, whatever, whatever your measure is, more energy, more positive emotions, whatever, um, from that experience. So that's what I think you'd have to do. You just have to experience it because we can talk about it all we want and talk about, you know, uh, dopaminergic upregulation in the nucleus accumbens. Oh, doesn't that make you feel happy already just to know the words? No, it doesn't. But that's some psychoneuroimmunologists came up with a definition of happiness. I'll say it again, dopaminergic upregulation in the nucleus accumbens of the brain. That means a part of your brain that's sensitive to a neurotransmitter called dopamine has a lot of it. And when you have a lot of dopamine, that's upregulation of dopamine in this part of your brain, the nucleus accumbens, we have the experience we call being happy, right? So yes, we can tell you that laughter will do that. But when you do it, when you do it, when you do the laughing and you feel better, who cares about the scientific name you know exactly exactly so, so this, this leads us on nicely two 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 laughing exercises then jeff oh, okay you're gonna lead you're gonna lead two exercises okay. for me first one um okay first one we're gonna do is uh one i think i made up myself but it doesn't matter who made it up i call it open-hearted laughter so sometimes you place your fingertips towards the center of your chest like where your heart is and then you bring your arms forward and spread them apart. As though you're throwing out a big embrace or offering a hug or a, you're opening your heart to others. And you do this many times. So hands come to the chest, hands open out wide. And if you can, connect with other people if there are other people around you or move around the space where you are. Connect with your computer speakers, connect with your backpack, connect with your pillows, connect with your chair. So you're opening your heart and connecting with all these things. And as you're doing it, you're laughing. Okay, what do you think, 30 seconds? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Open your heart for 30 seconds. Laughing. Ready, set, start. My second laughter exercise is going to be gradient laughter. So we're consciously going to choose to start laughing at a low level, something like this. 
then we're going to gradually over about 10 seconds we'll get it up to a medium typical after level <laughs> and then a couple of seconds later we'll bring it up to wild and crazy <laughs> and then we'll bring it back down <laughs> and then down okay so i'll be here in giving those of you who have a visual you can watch me my hands this is low this is center and this is high uh, but or you can just listen or just go at whatever pace you feel comfortable but we're always laughing ready set start Okay, that's my two exercises. Amazing, amazing. I love it. I love it. And then uh, just to visualize people driving down. <laughs> down yes. Some exercises are good for driving, others not. Because when you drive, you want to keep your hands on the wheel. But exactly. you can still have so actually, I'll, chuckle, I'll give you one good laughter. An laughter exercise you can do while driving is that while you're driving, you look at every every uh, thing that's helping you. Uh, and you laugh. So you look at right side mirror, <laughs> center mirror, <laughs> left side mirror, oh, speed, <laughs> out the window, <laughs> other side, oh, you know. So you're doing all these things that you do safely to drive, being aware, but as you're doing them, you're choosing to laugh. Now, if it ever gets serious, like, oh, accident, then you can stop laughing and take care of, you know, yeah. serious, drive seriously for a bit. And then as soon as like, okay, everything's fine. Then you go back to laughing, right? It doesn't mean you close your eyes. You don't take your hands off the wheel. You're just adding <laughs> laughing while you drive. The very first time I did this, because after I started um, doing um, laughter yoga, I, I made a commitment to myself. I was going to laugh every single day. And before I had a laughter club that met every day, I had a promise to myself I would laugh every day. And sometimes my day was, you know, I taught other yoga classes and I had meetings and stuff. Sometimes the only time I had 15 minutes free was when I was driving from one place to the other. I said, okay, I'll do my laughing while I'm driving. And I, you know, looked at my watch, the days when you wore a watch on your wrist. <laughs> I looked at the watch, I say, okay, the, num the point, the one's there, so I'm gonna laugh until that one is over there. Okay, 15 minutes. And then I would laugh and look at the windshield and whenever I touch, whenever I see a white line in the road, I'll laugh, ah, they're all over, ah. Whenever I see the license plate of another car, I'll laugh, ah. They're all over, okay? And after 15 minutes, I, again, I looked at the thing. Oh, the, now the pointer's over there. It's been 15 minutes. I felt so good from laughing. It's like, I don't think I want to stop. I'll just laugh a little bit more. And I laughed a couple more minutes until I felt like, okay, uh, I've had enough. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so, so you laugh a lot on your own, which is obviously something, but it's, I mean... I did, again, this is something else that I did. So when I started doing Zoom laughter sessions, there was like my bedroom and Chloe, where we sleep, it's just up there. So in the morning, there would be like, she, Chloe would say, there was no one there this morning, was there? And I was like, well, no, I could just tell. It's like, because your laugh was a lower, lower level. You, you were still laughing, but but she's like, she could always tell when I had a good one because literally the, the, the rooms were going <laughs> So, so you, you, I mean, you can laugh on your own. You don't need 
somebody and uh, to to obviously when you've got someone to laugh with it obviously helps a lot because it, it you can get there quicker um so what are the little exercises do you do or you just have it literally every day at this time i go and laugh is, is that the yeah the, the habit that you've got yeah that's yeah you know it's it's a healthy ha- i know in your notes about your podcast you talked about people who are not just laugh people but people who are uh, enjoying life having a healthier life so mm-hmm. people have habits they do every day one of my favorite habits every day is shortly after waking I brush my teeth. Oh, not bad. Another one is I make a uh, about 20 uh, ounces, a, a large cup of water, which I heat. And then I add something. I used to add lemon. Sometimes I add a bit of vinegar or a, a little something. So I drink a warm beverage, not coffee, no stimulants, just warm, soothing beverage. So that's those are two of my habits I do every day. Another habit I do every day is I sit and meditate. Because if I don't do 10 minutes of meditation, just quiet, silence. If I don't, I don't, I don't feel mm, grounded for the rest of that day in general. So those are three of my habits. And, then, and I have a fourth habit. And my fourth habit is to laugh for 15 minutes. And um, how, whatever that takes. So for 15 years, it was going to the laughter club. A few days a week, I taught, I taught at a senior home. I taught uh, at a park, you know, uh, and now it's I I do my Facebook presentation and when the weather is not inviting I do it in my home and when the weather is allows I go outside sometimes often I go to the beach which is beautiful here or up to the hills but sometimes I just go in my own I have a little patio you know and I hope the neighbors don't complain but at least where I live there's enough space you know I don't have anyone right up on top of me like you but uh, Hopefully they don't complain. If I, I'll tell you one story. Okay, one story. So for a while we were laughing on, in the early days of the laughter club, part of my uh, intention was the laughter club would be for everybody. Every human being that could possibly come was welcome. So we met on a little bluff, uh, you know, over, overlooking the ocean where there was parking for cars n- not too far away. And you, you could find a place to park. That way people who couldn't walk down to the, Usually, before to have access to the sand of the beach, there are there's a staircase or multiple staircases, mm-hmm. so some people can't handle staircases. Older people, people who've been in accidents, so I, we met right there on the bluff. All right, so we met on the bluff for a couple of weeks. This is when we were meeting three days a week, and then we got a noise complaint. A gentleman called me up and he said, "Hello, I live in the apartment right across the street from that park, and." This is when we were meeting at seven in the morning. And he said, every three days a week in the morning, I'm woken up by the sound of people laughing. I don't want to hear the sound of people laughing when I wake up. And I said, oh, but please, it's so good. It's for your health. You're welcome to join us. Why don't you get up and join us? You'll be glad you did. And he said, no, you're not hearing me. I don't want to hear the sound of people when I wake up at seven in the morning. And so I actually called the, the police department. I mean, I asked, I called a person at the police department, the chief of police, because this is a small town, 25,000 regular residents. So I, I knew him not very close, but we talked a few times before. So I said, don't we have a right to be in a park, a public park and laughing is, you know, people go to a park and laugh. If we were children laughing, would, would it make a difference? And the police officer said, well, you know, technically, yes, you have the right and you could take it to court and you would win 
But what we as a police department do is if we get a complaint, we will shut you down and we'll tell you not to do it because you're getting complaints from the neighbors. And if you want to take it to court, go ahead. But uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, you know, have the antagonism with them with the man. The bottom line was whether laughter was a good sound or not, it was loud enough that he didn't want to hear it in the morning. So after that, we moved. We found another spot on the beach where there were no residences nearby. The, the only business that was there, which was pretty far away, was a restaurant. So if they were open at seven in the morning, it was people preparing the food for the, for the, you know, they didn't open to the public till eight. So people who were there were just cooking. So they didn't mind hearing us laughing on the beach. And since then, we never had a noise complaint about laughing on the beach. But That's crazy. That's crazy that someone said that. <laughs> Isn't it? It's sort of, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. And, and, and as, yeah, Mrs. Can says to me, it's not for everyone, Pete. I was like, I know. It's hard to believe, but yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I know. I, I'll, actually, I'll tell you, a dear, dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, is a laughter, a laughter yoga uh, teacher, leader. She helped to produce programs with Dr. Kataria, so she's very experienced, and she's one of the people that would come to Laughter Club on the beach four or five days a week. But before Laughter Club, she was also a stage performer specializing in comedy. Not a stand-up comedian, but she was an actress who could do all kinds of acting, dramatic and comedic. And a lot of her, at least 10 or 15 years of her life recently was doing comedy acting, making people laugh at you. So she started doing laughter yoga and she's, oh, I don't even, you know, there's no pressure anymore. We just laugh, we have great laughs and there's no pressure for me to be clever or witty or anything. I said, no, no, we can, well, you know, after the laughter session, we can go out for breakfast and then you can be witty. That's fine, I like witty, I do witty too. So, so the funny part of the story is her friends, when they learned, her friends from the theater world, when they learned that she was starting to do this laughter without jokes, they shared with her they were concerned. They were alarmed. They thought, now that she's laughing without jokes, was she going to stop laughing to jokes? Was, were they going to lose the pleasure of her joking and making up fun, you know, making puns and witticisms when they went out? And she had to reassure them, oh, no, 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 don't worry. This doesn't take away your ability to laugh at things you think are funny. In fact, it actually makes it easier to laugh at things that you think might be funny or not funny. You say, well, that was kind of funny. I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> so you'll have more laughter in your life if you do this. But I'm, I, really, I'm saying that it is true that for some people, uh, they're not, they don't, they don't realize how good it would be if they tried it, in which case that's okay. Let the, just keep, we keep inviting them when you're ready, come and try. And some do and some don't. My brother was trained as a laughter leader by me. My, my son was trained as a laughter yoga leader by me. But my sister said, nah, thanks. Not for me. Mm. My own flesh and blood. She, she likes to laugh, <laughs> but she just, you know, this wasn't for her. It's okay. All right, let it be for it's you. It's okay. Probably if we get 51% of the world laughing, then we'll have world peace. Exactly. We're on to a winner then, aren't we? Yeah. So it's um, brilliant. So, Jeffrey, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping things up now. And I just, but first of all, want to say thank you so much. This has been a pleasure and definitely um, some lovely stories. And okay. and just, just being able to share laughter with you, it's been amazing. <laughs> so um, where where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and find out more uh, about you? Well, when my website is functional, which right now it's got a hiccup, but it should be very soon, the L-Y for laughter yoga, lyinstitute.org, lyinstitute.org, or even easier to remember, 
which was what was since my laughter club it's joyfulb.com that's j o y f u l b dot c o m joyfulb.com look it up on the web and uh or just laguna laughter club laguna beach california jeffrey Breyer. if you search google you can find me and um, i'm not good on the telephone i don't particularly like talking on the phone but uh, email is good for me. And my email is joyfulb at cox.net. That's J-O-Y-F-U-L-B at C-O-X dot N-E-T. Let's see how long that lasts. Long. Amazing, amazing. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well Thank so you. people can just grab that. Um, so final question then, what three things bring you joy? <laughs> Only three. Okay. Well, I won't even talk about laughter because that's too obvious. Well, I'm a musician. I'm a pianist. And uh, playing something really well brings me joy. There, More than once, I'm playing something. And as I'm playing, I'm actually weeping because I'm going, this sounds so good. And I can tell, oh my gosh, this being, this body has put in so many thousands of hours to practice to make this sound so good. So that's one thing. Beautiful music making gives me joy. Another thing is sharing. So, of course, sharing laughter. But another thing I'm doing right now is I'm sharing music appreciation classes through Senior Center. Right now, they're Zoom classes. So it's all, you know, everyone's in various locations. But knowing that I'm sharing good music and education, and when I see my students and, you know, the light bulbs go off and they go, oh, I like that, or I'd never thought of that, that also gives me joy. And the other thing is chocolate. Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Laughter and Positivity with Pete. To access today's show notes and exclusive content, please head over to petecan.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for your next dose of laughter and positivity. Until then, remember, if Pete can, you can. Mm -hmm.